In preparation for this morning's sermon text, we will turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 52 together. This is a a well-known passage for many believers. It's speaking of the suffering of Jesus Christ. It's the prophecy of that event. So Isaiah chapter 52, and we'll begin, begin at verse 13 together, and we'll read through to the end of chapter 53. And here we read together, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when, he, and when we see him, There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken. Smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, was, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he has numbered, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let us turn together now to Psalm 13, our sermon passage for this morning. Psalm 13, and you can find this on page 623 of your pew Bibles. And here we read together, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Psalm 13 is a personal prayer and song. There are a a number of I's and me's throughout the psalm. And David, the man behind the I's and me's, is experiencing deep sorrow and pain in his heart, but his faith in God remains. His faith is what brings him before the Lord in prayer. The psalm reveals how David emotionally expresses his sorrow before the Lord. Here we have David, the the king of Israel, bringing his troubles before the Lord in prayer. And over the course of David's prayer, we notice a miraculous change in his heart. His emotions transform from deep sorrow to great joy, and only by the grace of God. And as those who share the same faith as David, this is also our prayer Those I's and me's are our 
eyes and me's. The sorrow expressed in Psalm 13 is our sorrow. And the joyful song at the end is our song. And this afternoon I preached to you Psalm 13 under this theme and points. Our theme, a believer's heart is brought from sorrow to song before the Lord. And we will look at three points. First, a heartfelt despair before the Lord. Second, a heartfelt plea before the Lord. And thirdly, a heartfelt joy before the Lord. Our first point then, a heartfelt despair before the Lord. And we read in the first couple of verses, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? How long? Four times, David, in despair, cries out to the Lord using these two words. How long? And each use increases the intensity of the prayer. David is lamenting. He is deeply mourning his current situation. And we are not specifically told what his situation is, but he is in great distress. And in his moments of of great distress, he turns to the Lord. And this is not the first psalm where we see David turning to the Lord in his time of need. Psalms 3 through 7 and also 10, they all have similar language. He prays about his foes rising against him in Psalm 3. He asks the Lord to to answer him when he calls out in Psalm 4. He asks the Lord to consider his his groaning in Psalm 5. And David pleads with the Lord to deliver his life for the sake of his steadfast love in Psalm 6. And in Psalm 6, verse 3, David also remarks, My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? And he asks the Lord in Psalm 10, Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In Psalm 13, David prays many of these these same phrases and words. And this this too reveals the the seriousness of David's situation. Here in in his moment of great distress, he brings everything together before the Lord. And how, how common is this for us, brothers and sisters? When we have overwhelming situations that occur in life, and we are utterly drained 
of all mental and physical strength, how often do we find ourselves repeating familiar needs and words in prayer? Sometimes our our prayers become so incoherent that we wonder, yes, yeah, we, we wonder, we wonder if the Lord will even recognize them as a prayer. And during those moments, we can be comforted by what the Spirit teaches us, what the Spirit teaches us in Romans chapter 8. There he tells us that he, the helper sent by the Lord Jesus, he being the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but he himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in his mind, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit helps us before the Father in our time of despair. As the sorrow from our hearts come out in in groans, the Spirit intercedes with groans too deep for words. And David is also helped by the Spirit who directs his prayers before the Father for he is a a man of faith. And why? Why is David lamenting before the Lord? Because he feels abandoned and isolated. He doesn't feel abandoned and isolated from other humans fellow believers, which is crushing in itself, but he feels isolated and abandoned from the Lord himself. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David senses that the Lord has abandoned him. He still believes in the Lord, But he is not experiencing the blessing of the Lord, where the Lord would turn his face towards him. The same blessing that we receive as his his covenant children at the end of the church service. The blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. David is not experiencing peace from God. Because of his sense of isolation from the Lord, David has been taken captive by his own thoughts, his own soul. He is shaken. His thoughts are consumed by his situation. And he is experiencing intense inner turmoil. His troubled mind is is causing deep sorrow in his heart all day and night. Continuous and relentless. And because of his great sense of isolation from the Lord, David despairs in the thought that his enemies are exalted over him. And whether these are his physical enemies or 
spiritual enemies, we are, we are not told in the, in the passage. Whatever the case may be, David's enemies, they are real and they are present. They are present and the Lord, he senses, is not. And with every passing day, the despair becomes more and more intense. How long, O Lord? And there may be seasons in our life where we also think that the Lord has abandoned us. Not that the Lord doesn't exist, but that he is not actively present in our life. Those times when we have prolonged struggles, depression, anxiety, a life-altering illness or ailments, cancer, back or knee issues, Parkinson's, family tensions, or any other overwhelming struggle. And the, the, the months of January and February are, are particularly known for becoming very difficult for people. The holiday season has come and gone, and for some, this season is quite busy with many visits from family and friends. But now the family has left, and things are somewhat quiet, and loneliness sets in. And for others who already struggle with feelings of loneliness, the holiday season can increase, it can increase the pain. It can be an, an immense struggle. And perhaps you are struggling this morning. And throughout the struggle, you have prayed over and over again for relief, only to not notice any difference. Where is the Lord, we may wonder? Where is he in my time of sorrow? Has he forgotten me? And such isolation may bring intense grief, pain, and despair in our hearts, as David is experiencing. Such isolation welcomes the consuming thoughts in our souls, the taunts from our enemies. And as our enemies encircle us, we become overwhelmed and desperate. We need deliverance. Deliverance from ourselves and deliverance from our enemies. And it is precisely during those moments that we need to look outside of ourselves. We need to bring our despair before the Lord. Even after repeated prayers where the Lord seems to lend a, a, a deaf ear, David does not cease to pray. Is this us, brothers and sisters? In our, in our days of despair, do we lament before the Lord continually? 
Are we able to lay our soul bare before his throne of grace day in and day out? Will we with deep mourning and grief speak the words, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Will we lament before the one who has called us into a covenant relationship with him? During the seasons of despair and sensed isolation, as difficult as it may seem, we must. He has promised never to forget his covenant people. And the Spirit assures us in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he, promised, he assures us there, do not fear or be in dread of them. That is the enemy. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will, not, he will not leave you or forsake you. And Isaiah prophesied similar words of comfort. He says uh, in chapter 49, There Zion says, The Lord, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. To which the Lord responds, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Whereas the, the bond between a mother and child is naturally strong, yet sadly not perfect because of sin. The covenant bond between our holy and perfect God and his children is forever. We are remembered forever because we are forever engraved on the palms of God's hands. And we can be even more certain than David that God will never forget us. David prayed in anticipation of the coming Messiah. We pray in the knowledge of the fulfillment of God's covenant love expressed through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We may lament, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Jesus on the cross cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While David and us only sense abandonment from God, Jesus was truly abandoned by God. Abandoned as punishment for our sins. Truly abandoned so that by faith we would never be forgotten by God. All of our laments, all of our cries of, Oh Lord, my God, have you forgotten me? are taken up by Jesus Christ, who can sympathize with our feelings of abandonment before the Father. He can sympathize 
because he has his own experience. When we pray in our sufferings, Jesus Christ listens to our cries. He knows our sorrows, and he carried our sorrow. Yet his experience was without sin. And sin is the difference between us and Christ. Whereas Christ could resist all temptation, we are prone to fall into temptation. And during seasons when we think we are isolated, we may be tempted. We may be tempted to stop praying. After all, we may think he is not listening anyways. And this is something that is all too easy to do. Battle this temptation, brothers and sisters. For it is in prayer that God changes our hearts. And in our second point, we will notice a change in our brother David's heart as he pleads before the Lord. Our second point then, a a heartfelt plea before the Lord. In times of great sorrow, the Spirit, through the gift of faith, brings us before the Lord in prayer. And with our hearts filled with sorrow, we plead for Him to notice us. And this is exactly what David does. He pleads before the Lord. He urges the Lord, consider and hear me. Earlier in his prayer, He despairs because he senses the Lord has hidden his face from him. And now he he cries out to the Lord, Consider me, or look at me, pay attention to me. I am in despair. Remember me, hear me. As a covenant child, David cries out to him by his covenant name. O Lord, my God, to say, remember me as your covenant child. Remember your covenant faithfulness. And David goes on to say, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. And enlighten my eyes. When there is great despair, mental and and physical anguish, it it shows in our eyes. It shows in our eyes. Our eyes become dim and shaken. And and we are unable to hide our, our anguish. And David in Psalm 38 prays, My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it also has, has gone from me. There is a, a close connection between anguish in the heart and the strength of our body. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, the Spirit tells us that Jonathan, Jonathan, David's close friend, when at war with Israel's enemies, took some honey, he took some honey and he ate it. And when he ate it, his eyes became bright, 
The, the honey gave Jonathan renewed strength. And in this psalm, David is on the verge of death. He is depleted. He is depleted of all strength. He does not want his enemies to be able to say, I have prevailed over him, or to rejoice because he is moved. So he turns to the Lord. He turns to the Lord for strength, for renewal. He turns to the very Lord who he feels abandoned, who he feels has abandoned him. He pleads with the Lord to to deliver him from his situation. He is praying for his life. And David, as described in Acts chapter 13, is as a man after God's own heart, who would do all of God's will. David, in faith, is pleading before the Lord. And this is how faith works. The Holy Spirit bends our wills so that we would turn to the only one, the only one who can deliver us, our Creator. This is the Lord's will for the believer. The Lord calls us to to humbly submit ourselves before him and rely on him alone. And with his will bent, David pleads. He pleads before the Lord. And he does so with boldness and confidence. The, The three verbs in this passage, consider hear, enlighten. These are all urgent requests. These are urgent pleas made by a a covenant child to his sovereign Lord. And we are beginning to see a, a, a shift in David's heart. Where in the first couple of verses, David is sensing abandonment, we, are, we notice now David urging the Lord to act. There is trust. There is trust in David's words. And we read on in, in verse 5, that his trust is rooted in the Lord's steadfast love, in his mercy. Here also we see a startling transition. But I, but I, What was once, how long, is now, but I. What was once a a, a voice of despair is now a voice of trust. David cries out, but I have trusted in your mercy. David trusted that because of his mercy, the Lord would hear his plea and deliver his life. He is confident that the Lord will save him from his despair for the sake of his covenant promises. And David believed these promises to be true by God's grace. And our our confidence also rests on God's covenant promises. Our triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
established an eternal covenant with us when we were baptized in his name. He promised to provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. He promised to, to free us from all sin and count us righteous. He promises to dwell in us, granting us daily renewal. And we are to hold onto God and to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And in the boldness of faith, we, we hold on to God. We hold on to His promises, as David did. We plead before the Lord with, with boldness, based on the death and resurrection of His Son, our Savior. And our pleas are, are heard by Jesus Christ Himself. As the author of Hebrews says in chapter 4, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who is able to sympathize with us, let us then, and we read this in verse 16 of that chapter, of chapter 4, with confidence, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, that we may receive grace and help in time of need. We can trust that Jesus hears our pleas and that we will receive mercy and grace during our times of sorrow. Only in Jesus Christ, who is most excellent and worthy, do we receive deliverance. And what a comfort this is for us. Because it is during our deepest struggles that we often don't feel worthy at all. We often think that it is because of our unworthiness and filthiness that the Lord has seemingly distanced himself in the first place. Yet we may plead as those who are worthy and cleansed through Jesus Christ whose righteousness is ours by faith. It is through him alone that God demonstrated that his love is steadfast. David trusted in the Lord's steadfast love and the Lord graciously renews and delivers him from his sorrow. Where there was once deep despair, there is now joy. There's joy in his heart. And this brings us to our final point, our third point, a heartfelt joy before the Lord. We notice that there is no indication in the psalm that David's situation has changed. As he prays, the world around him continues on. His enemies are still present. And we are not told that he has received food or drink to strengthen his body. Death is still near. 
Everything that was happening in David's life at the beginning of the psalm is still happening at the end of his prayer. But David's heart has changed by God's grace. David's prayer began with an an intense cry of despair from the heart of sorrow to a confident, urgent plea. And now, by the end of the psalm, David prays with certainty, my heart shall rejoice. It shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And how can David make such a declaration of faith with such confidence and trust? Because as Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 mentions, is the case with believers. The eyes of David's heart have been enlightened. His eyes have been enlightened. David has received the spirit of wisdom and knowledge of the coming Messiah. David's heart rejoices in the Lord's salvation. His heart rejoices in anticipation of the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't he, Jesus, also our only comfort in life and in death? As we confess in Lord's Day 1, I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. During the darkest moments in our life, our physical circumstances often do not change from when we begin prayer to when we end prayer. But what does change is the well-being of our hearts. Our hearts are restored because of the work of our Savior. He comforts us and cares for us. And with a restored heart, we rejoice. We rejoice, I have trust and hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the founder of our faith, God incarnate, who humbled himself upon the cross, who was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. He paid the price to redeem us from our sins, and he saved us from God's wrath, who, as the author of Hebrews writes, who for the joy that was set before him endured brutal hellish isolation on the cross, despising the shame. Jesus Christ, through whom we are adopted, through whom we are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus Christ, our triumphant King who prevailed over death so that we need not fear death. That death that David initially feared. But instead, we look forward with anticipation to eternal life. In Jesus, we rejoice. We rejoice. He is our sure salvation. And during our most intense periods in life, 
when the world seems to be collapsing around us, it is He who hears our cries for help. It is He who supplies us with His Word and Spirit, a means by which He rescues and guides us through the turmoil. It is He who calms the intense storms and grants us peace. He graciously leads us to a heart of song and praise. Brothers and sisters, with our eyes lit up and resting on Him, we cry out, the Lord has indeed dealt bountifully with me. To Him be all glory and honor forever. Amen.